Welcome to the Breakfast Blend Podcast. I'm your host, Sam, with my lovely wife, Joyce. Is out of commission. Yeah, Joyce has COVID right now, so. (laughs) But fortunately, we're joined by a lovely guest today. Her name is Roran. Not Lauren. (laughs) Roran with an R, which I was always confused about. (laughs) How are you, Roran? Do you even know the story? Hi. Your name? Yeah. I've never met another Roran in my life. No, do you know the story behind my name? You probably told me, but I probably forgot. Oh, shall I tell it? Sure. I'll give you the quick and dirty version. Um, So my dad loves luxury cars, and uh, I have one older brother, and when he found out that he was going to have a daughter, he was, like, thinking, like, oh, my daughter, my, like, princess, you know, my darling daughter, and he really liked the name Lauren, but he was like, I want to kind of put that like idea of princess and like luxury and stuff into her name. So he was like, what's the most luxury car brand? Rolls Royce. So you know how the, the symbol <laughs> oh, is like RR? He wanted to put it. that in my name. So that's why he combined like Rolls Royce with Lauren. So that's how you get Roran. Wow. I can't make that up. Okay. Oh, that's how I know gosh. it's true. that is so funny where did we meet we met in some foreign country was it argentina (laughs) oh it might have been bolivia bolivia yeah 2013 yes i think so were you interested in medicine then is that why you went Mm -hmm, i was what were you you're in college or you just finished college yeah, I if it was 2013, I would have just graduated college, and that meant I was I graduated with like a essentially like a public health degree. Mm-hmm. Um, my school didn't have that at the time, so I basically like made up my own major and did like public health classes that they offered, and then combined it with my international studies degree and just graduated something called global health. Mm-hmm. Um, quote unquote. <laughs> Wait, so I did, did that in then, Rochester? No, I went to American University. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> American <laughs> University. That's right. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, what are you saying? Um yeah, so I was like originally interested in doing something with like po- like health policy um and I had kind of flirted with the idea of being like a nurse or a PA um, so that I could kind of have more knowledge, like on the ground knowledge going into creating like health policies and Mm. things like that. So that was kind of the idea and my part of the impetus for going into the missions that year. Um, But yeah, that's where we had initially met. Um, Yeah, so you're always mission-minded and not always, I don't know what you were before. (laughs) Is, isn't there like a ratchet version of you? Some a ratchet point? version? Yeah, at some point, <laughs> this is what I kind of like, I have a feeling that there's a ratchet version of you that I don't remember. Um, I don't know if I would label it ratchet, but... Yeah, I actually don't know what that word means, but, you know. Okay, yeah. let's, let's, just, let's just stay away from that word. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say, I don't know, I would say rebellious, but I don't... I didn't like rebel in like the normal ways that I feel like 
you know, you typically see kids on like television rebel. I just like, I think I, I've always been like extremely independent. And so I just felt like from a very early age, I didn't want to rely on my parents. Like I really couldn't rely on my older sibling. And then like just being new to Rochester. So like I was in New York city, I was born in New York city and then I moved to Rochester when I was like five ish. And so I was like the new girl in church and I was like the new girl in school. And yeah, I don't know, just like that kind of experience very early on, I just like got into my head and I was like, well, nobody can help me. So I guess I just have to do everything by myself. And so I think it was less about kind of like purposely rebelling and like, you know, doing crazy things and this and that. I just wanted to like live my life. I just wanted to be like a free bird and like not have any strings attached to anything or anybody. So yeah, you're a very atypical uh, Korean American girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting next to the model of Korean American girls. <laughs> Any Korean mom would love no, to have her. I don't want to she do is that. Uh, your model daughter. That's uh, awesome. I, I am like the literal opposite of that. Like I talk back. I, I talk back. I do whatever I want. Like, I don't, I really don't ask permission. I just kind of tell like my parents what I'm going to do. Oh yeah. Um, that's what I do. Oh. Liar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, what's your Enneagram? I don't know. Actually, I've taken like multiple tests online when I was like initially interested in this, like maybe three years ago or something, uh -huh. every single test told me something different. So I was oh. like, I don't know if I can trust this. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And you're like, I'm going to guess you're some sort of perfect me purpose. Correct. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's obvious. Uh, yeah. I haven't been like, like officially, like I've never like done it officially with somebody like, Oh, uh, sure. Sure. The, the diagnosed question. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did it with Tim, okay. like okay. in a car ride once with Michelle uh, from like Champagne, I think. No, from uh, Kentucky. No idea. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Global Emissions Health yeah, Conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. like drove back up to Chicago together, and then he kind of did like a version of it. Um, and he said he couldn't figure out if he I was like a respect me, or if I was a perfect me purpose. And he had a huge headache. So he's like, I don't know. You're just one of the two. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He gave up. Yeah, he basically gave up. But like from what I understand about um, heart motives, uh, you know, like the limited knowledge that I have of it, I think uh -huh. perfectly purpose seems to be. You sound like it to me. Yeah, I yeah. don't know for sure. Yeah. Interesting. So I like your story because it's very atypical. You're, <laughs> you're kind of like a uh, misfit <laughs> in yeah, some sense because sure. <laughs> um, okay you graduated from American University you got your some sort of like seminary degree yeah I went to seminary uh, basically as like an exploration of my faith I had a big issue because I was like my education had always like from literally elementary school so I grew up in the same like uh, school district but something that they really pushed since I was young was like critically think for yourself. Uh -huh. And That's um, awesome. 
Yeah. It, it like my school system was like extremely progressive in like a lot of ways. And mm. like one of the ways that like they taught me emotional intelligence in like fourth wow. grade. Like I literally remember them oh teaching gosh. us about like this is what being passive aggressive means. Like this is what, what being like what the heck? Yeah, they taught that. Oh, everybody and, send your kids over there. Right? I, was, I was happy just to get McDonald's in the fourth grade. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, Lord. Uh, like they had like sex ed, like proper sex ed starting from like fifth grade. Um, yeah, it's like, it, it was great. But again, I mean, like going back to the main point was that they really pushed that. So I decided to go to seminary because I had all the, like basically I got very serious about my faith. I would say more towards junior year of uh, college, maybe uh-huh starting sophomore year um but in yeah I would say around like 2010 ish I had met God and I had met Jesus like way before that like in my freshman year of high school and I didn't really have a pastor I didn't really have like a strong like youth group um I didn't really have any person to look up to or to like ask advice like I had a few people and I don't want to like discount you know their Mm -hmm. um like effect on my life but in a lot of ways and then due to my own like self-sabotaging personality of like I'm gonna do everything by myself um I just felt very alone and like so when I kind of really decided to follow God and be like you know you're not just my savior but you're my lord um that was like around 2010 and like because of that though and then because of my upbringing of like question everything and like make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into instead of just like blindly walking into whatever just because like everybody else thinks it's cool or whatnot um I started just having questions because like I had my own personal biases and what I believed was correct and all these things but you know like when it comes to following God you know you have to really like wrestle with a lot of those it's not just like okay just because it says this like I guess I just have to do it like it I don't even think like yeah so I just was more just like really like digest it like chew swallow like really try to understand like what what's what you're buying and not buying into like what you're believing in so it that kind of started in 2010 and then towards the end of my college years I was like I just if I'm about to go into the workforce, if I'm, I'm about to like understand my life as a Christian, like I just need some space and I just need some time to like figure out what my faith actually means, like kind of on the ground, like day to day versus, because I think something that really frustrated me um, while I was doing missions and, you know, just like being in Christian communities was like, it sounded very fluffy and that always bothered me. I wanted some like practical advice on how to like approach the world and specifically like policy and politics through like the lens of a Christian. And I felt like a lot of what people were talking about to me in church was like, you suck. You need the (laughs) gospel, you know, like Jesus is your comfort and like very like, uh, like nothing, not true. Right. Right. Like very, but like very broad strokes. And like, I'm kind of like, okay, I, I get that. Like, you don't need to tell me that day in, day out. I want to know, like, how do I speak to a coworker? Like, how do I, like, behave, not behave, but just, like, how do I live my life in a way that, like, I truly actually understand, like, what I'm 
standing for? And yeah. then like, how does that translate again in real life? So that's why I went to seminary and my major ended up being something called public theology. And essentially what that meant, meant was I wanted to know how, so this was kind of my like thesis that I went into uh, seminary with was that how does the gospel intersect with like public life? Yeah. And what I ended up coming out of it after the two years was that my initial hypo or, uh, thesis was like the assumptions behind it were incorrect because if I truly believed in the gospel, if I believe that the gospel is a hundred percent true, then the gospel actually is not something can, that can intersect with anything. It is all encompassing. Therefore, it's more about how does the gospel shine a light on my life and on how I behave instead of like an intersection. So that's kind of how it like evolved as I was mm -hmm. in seminary. But it was a very important time for me to like, again, like I, did, I didn't have a pastor. I didn't have a ton of people that I trusted. And like, really, I really felt like loved me enough that I could have like difficult conversations about faith with. So again, I kind of took the route of like, I'm gonna just do it by myself. Mm. Um, God really blessed me with a hefty scholarship. So I paid like a thousand dollars, like $2,000 a semester for grad school. Um, oh my gosh. came out of it with no debt and everything. And so, but again, like it was just this like amazing time for two years that I was able to just like delve into my faith, do some reading that's like completely outside of this like realm that I knew and explore what other people who didn't look like me um believed and like experienced through their faith and so yeah yeah sorry really long answer again i'm sorry i talk a lot <laughs> yeah uh i think uh you're uh you could be described as verbose um, <laughs> i'm sorry so no, that's not I, anything to apologize for joyce and i are totally in that vein um mm -hmm. of like <laughs> well i think one thing that i think people misunderstand you on a personal level because um, you're actually just curious, but they will take that as like rebellion or criticism. Right. And I think that probably was not good for you when you were young. If you had like a, like an emotionally healthy leader that could have right. like, you know, took those questions and didn't give you like circular logic, like, oh, yeah. it's because the Bible says, or, you know, all oh, because of that, right, right. really like sorted through that. Um, if you had right. someone like that, I think that would have been like super helpful for you. Uh, yeah. You didn't, but you're still alive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so I, you go through oh so you're going through this track and it, it starts yeah. getting it starts getting a little more like um, um you're going off you're going to the right you're going to the left not in a bad way but just uh where you where you are vocationally where you are yeah. spiritually things like that so after uh seminary where do you go <laughs> so in the middle of seminary uh i went to school with a lot of like local area pastors and one of the i don't know if i would call it a mega church but like one of the more prominent uh korean churches uh in virginia they needed a youth pastor so like somebody that i was just in class with like approached me one day about it and then i prayed about it and then uh i did like an interview and everything and i ended up getting this position as a part-time youth pastor so I did that for the final semester of my seminary years. 
And then I did it for like basically a full year. I think it was a year, year and a half, like after um, I graduated. So I was doing that for a little while. Um, and then in the middle of that, long story short, there were like money issues and I just like, I need to pay rent. <laughs> so I needed to get another job. Um, so that's how I got into restaurants, like initially. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're at some famous restaurants that we can unname, uh, but um, so you transferred into youth ministry, which was like in our culture, yeah. kind of like the go-to route if you were uh, right. serious about missions or stuff like that. And that was just right. our culture. That's how we grew up. Mm -hmm. So um, after you switched, so you're in a part-time, you know, one foot was in the uh, ministry door, one that, you know, so-called ministry, and right. then another foot was in like the uh, marketplace. Um, yeah. What transferred you to step completely in the marketplace? So it was definitely a combination of things. Um, oh, do I open Pandora's box or do I not? <laughs> Why not? You know what? This is my style, right? Why not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do we have three hours? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I will simplify it to this. Um, and I believe, and I'm not trying to single out the church that I worked at. Sure. It's However, a problem of all the churches, you know, problem of all the churches, like around the world, not like all the church, but like a lot of churches, like specifically in America, cause that's like mostly my experience, but, sure, sure. um, I basically at one point could not differentiate what I was being told about, like how I should teach because I was, I could not differentiate between what was Christian and what was like Korean mm. and what, in what oh. we, they wanted me to preach. So yeah. I really struggled with that. And like, if I, you know me, I just, I say whatever is on my mind. And so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I like will respect, you know, the Korean hierarchy to a point, but if I feel like uncomfortable with it, like I'm going to open my mouth. So like anytime I kind of like brought it up or disagreed, I just felt like I was being punished for it. And again, like I'm, I was really young. Like I don't, I'm sure I did things that were disrespectful and like wrong or like whatever. But for me, everything always came down to like, okay, what is the point that we are supposed to agree on? And ultimately it's the gospel, right? Like, even though I was like Calvinist and they were like Arminian, cause I worked in a Methodist church or like whatever like theological lines that you want to like come after. Those are the, the day. <laughs> well, so at the end of the day, I was just like, but what we agree on like close hand is uh -huh. the gospel. Like that's sure. just basic. That's like one-on-one level of what we should agree on. And it just got to a point where I just felt like, if I preached what I believed to be an experience to be was the gospel, I would be punished for it. Yeah, yeah. And if I said anything that was like, you know, Hey, I don't feel comfortable with X, Y, and Z because I feel like that's just pushing like Korean culture versus like what is biblical. Mm, like yeah. I don't see this, like, I don't understand where you're getting this, like, like idea of kids need to be X, Y, Z way. Like that seems much more like Korean to me than it seems mm. like biblical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Punished for it, essentially. Like they would take me off the preaching schedule or like, you know, they wouldn't let me do certain things or like wow. basically like backhanded 
kind of like very passive. It's just, you know, passive aggressiveness. Fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, we just like, ultimately, I just didn't believe that the church that I was serving, not in total. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But generally speaking, I just personally felt like I couldn't even preach the gospel, like in general. Yeah. And yeah. So it just, uh, again, I think a lot of it had to do with my immaturity one. And then number two, just like my idea of how long I was going to stay at this church. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. like, say I was going to like be like, you know what? I'm going to plant myself. I'm going to be here. I'm going to fight. And I'm going to be here for like 10, 20, 30 years. It would have been a battle that I would have like been all in on. However, the more I prayed about it, I was like, I don't think like that's the spot I'm supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll rock the... I like rocked the boat intentionally or unintentionally just by like being who I am yeah. and like principles that I stuck to. Um, and I don't even think they knew what they were getting into when they hired me, <laughs> but it was more just of like, at the end of the day, we had our differences and like the, I came out of it because I was just like, I don't even know if like we agree on what we're doing here. Mm. So I left and then Part of being in restaurants and like into the marketplace though, was that like part of it was like rent and like, you know, utilities and stuff that I had to pay. However, I had always wanted to be in restaurants since like probably 11th grade. So it was like, if I had a dream, that probably was like one of my only dreams that and like missionary. Um, And so after so long of being like, oh my gosh, I really want to do this, but I feel like too scared and I can't do it. And like, you know, like thinking all these different thoughts, I was like, you know what? I don't got no student debt. I'm not dating. I barely have friends. So like, I have nothing to lose. So I might as well just like try to get into restaurants and just like, see if I like it. And if I don't, I can figure something else out. But sure. When I ended up like stepping foot into like after I got hired after the initial like cold call uh, interviews, uh, just like I don't know, like I couldn't tell you what it was about the group of people that I was with or whatnot, but I just instantly fell in love with the work. I instantly fell in love with like the types of people I was being around because it was the type of people I wanted to be around, just like people who are like didn't look like me who had completely different life experiences than I had. Like I was, I don't know if this is racist, but like I was really tired of like seeing people who just look like me and who thought Mm. exactly like I thought it was like (laughs) exhausting to be around that. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was. And then to kind of go into a restaurant life where like people are from every like walk of life, people who are like had everything handed to them, since they were a baby on a silver platter all the way down to people who have like had to fight for every penny, like, and every like race, creed, whatever you want to call it in between. Like I was able to like be around that kind of community and that's for whatever reason, that's just like what made me happy. Um, right. And so I went into the marketplace fully due to that. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. We're, uh, we're just talking with a, uh, he's actually from Virginia. He's a John Hopkins doctor. He went to Thailand. He's been there for 18 years. And he kind of was talking about how um, he was doing the old school missionary style where you raise funds, you like, you know, 
do the missionary thing, like, you know, set up a clinic in a rural area. And that's kind of like the old school mission model, um, medicine wise, but Mm now, um, it's changing a lot, shifting. It's going more toward what you're talking about, where, um, missions in the marketplace and missions, not in a way where you're like, you know, you look like Lauren Daigle and you're carrying African, African (laughs) children, you know, Instagram posts that, but it's more like, uh, you go to an area um, and it could be the U.S. It could be uh, Japan for you because I know you really want to go to Japan. Um, yeah. <laughs> and picking up a job there, living life with the people there, and um, kind of making your life more missional than mm-hmm. you being an actual like missionary, missionary unquote. I feel like right. we're, you, we're all in the same vein in that. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you gone about that like missional lifestyle, your place of work and stuff like that? Because Okay, I don't know if people don't people don't know this, but the restaurant cooking business is not a holy place <laughs> at all. It is like a lot of uh, a lot of cigarettes and beer, and uh, you know so many things. It's like uh, like a sometimes it's a place devoid of hope. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're like at its most basic, it's blue collar work. Like, I don't care if you're, like, working at a three Michelin star or, like, you pay $500 for your plate of God knows what, <laughs> you know, like, air foam and yeah, stuff. Um, it's, you're, you're cutting onions. You're peeling tomatoes. Like, you're washing produce. Like, it is blue-collar work. So, like, it is, in that way, it's extremely accessible for, like, pretty much a lot of people um Mm. like you like you don't exactly have like so say you work in america right uh like you don't exactly have to speak the language like you don't have to speak english in order to understand like okay you peel an onion and you cut it and you throw it in a saute pan you know Mm -hmm. like in that way like cooking is like ubiquitous but Mm. um yeah is a language right but yeah the work itself is like you know it's not glamorous it's very it's like physically, mentally, spiritually, like all of the things like exhausting in a lot of ways. But yeah, it's, it can definitely be, and like there's a lot of stressors that are on restaurant workers because we are not an industry in which a lot of people can, again, I'm speaking more to like the American experience. I can't Mm -hmm. speak for any other one, but like the majority of people that you see that are in restaurants they're they don't have health care like if they do oh, yeah. that's like so this was like shocking to me <laughs> like that i have a friend who used to be a chef and then she had to help her dad like kind of figure out his like company things mm-hmm. and when she was like hiring people they would be like oh yeah so like 401k vision dental like medical like like whatever it was like a given and for me i was like that's a given yeah. <laughs> i was so shocked i was like no way like that stuff we have to fight like tooth and nail for like most of the times in our Mm -hmm. industry if not like if you in like some places like even if you fight for it you're not going to get it and so it's like a whole thing I it's like very complicated to explain but yeah it's definitely a place though like where you like people don't make a lot of money it's a lot of stress it's very long hours um it's very like thankless yeah and it's very um in a lot of ways, it's like very behind the scenes and invisible. Mm-hmm. And so people don't think like about, a lot of people don't think about like, oh, the 
okay, there's that fancy old chef who's, you know, making you your steak or whatever, or like running that kitchen, but like, who's the dishwasher? Who's the one taking out the trash? Like, who's the one peeling all those like carrots and things like that? You know, it's everybody <laughs> in between. And so, yeah. I don't know, it can be very, you're right. It can be very hopeless. Yeah, it's an industry that has exploited a lot of people, especially sure. immigrants, especially marginalized. Um, yeah, it's kind of messed up how they don't give health insurance. And yeah. I think that's just the problem in this country, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you have any questions? No, I'm just listening in awe. Yeah, she likes, she <laughs> yeah. likes stuff. Oh. <laughs> um, what's your, okay, so COVID is kind of like stopped kind of like disrupted the restaurant industry. So yeah. you on a personal level, where's your journey going towards now? Cause you, you've lived a lot of lives actually. <laughs> yeah. And I'm 29. Like, dear uh, God, where is this going to go from here? Right. Um, <laughs> I guess like, uh, I don't know. Somebody told me this, like when I was really young and I like very much stick to it though. Like they were like, or, you know, I feel like a lot of people looking at your life are going to think like it doesn't make any sense, but people who like actually <laughs> understand you and like know you will be like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> it is very uh, Warren. Yeah. It is very me. Um, because like, I think for me, I, and we've talked about this before, like, I think I just live a life of just like open hands, meaning like, I don't, as much as I have like, what's, what's the English word for yokshim? Like, ambition ambition, ambition. Yeah. like I have a lot of ambition but I think I learned very early on like whether or not you believe in God right like you have no idea how life is going to happen mm -hmm. and so like I guess I just didn't see the point in like holding on to any like particular like profession or lifestyle or whatever because I just knew that like anything can happen and yeah. mm -hmm. like what's the point of like adding on this like self-imposed disappointment mm. and like not to say like if you do like hold on to your dream like I'm not saying like that's like that or anything like that but just for myself I think mm -hmm. I was always just like I don't really care too much like where I'm like put I just need and I guess this goes back to my heart motive like I just need a purpose like I need to know <laughs> like why I'm doing something and then I can like just do it mm -hmm. and as long as that as long as my why is like solved then I'm like kind of cool with like however it like pans out right so, yeah so I think for me for so for right now I just got like recently I just got married and we are <laughs> thinking about <laughs> yay um so we're just thinking about our future and just like what we want um and because of COVID, it's allowed us, uh, we were working for like a little bit of it. Um, thankfully, like surprisingly, we were able to get a job through our friend, but uh, due to a lot of things, we had to leave that job as well. So just being an unemployed, um, we've had some time to just like think about our life. And I understand how privileged that sounds. Um, and we just wanted to know like where we could kind of take our lives from here and we just realized that if we stayed in restaurants like as much as i love the restaurant industry and i would love to stay like it really is a place that like as much as it like kills me in some ways like it really does like bring me life in a lot of other ways mm. um i don't know like you get older you like make commitments and then you gotta make sacrifices right like you can't have it all and i think i just accept that <laughs> 
And so currently I am looking to uh, start taking like prerequisite classes to either become a PA or a nurse um, just because like it just makes a lot of sense it's a very stable profession like basically in a lot of ways completely opposite of uh, the restaurant industry you know mm-hmm. and so it would allow us to have the financial stability to be able to like you know have kids and raise them and wherever and not be scraping by with like pennies. Yeah. And I would say, especially like someone like you, even if you were to get into some sort of healthcare profession and you're working, um, that's not going to be the end. You're going to do a right. lot of other things and projects. It just gives you a little flexibility to exactly. do whatever you you want to do, whatever your yeah. original design is. Right. Um, you know, I don't know your actually original design, but it's probably something crazy. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by original design. <laughs> I don't know what you were put on this earth to do and what to be. Oh, I see. That sort of thing. Oh, yeah. How you function, what you know, your needs and wants. How they're not, um, you know, typical. Yeah. I feel like if there was one thing that, like, I would relate to is just, like, a, is like putty. <laughs> I know that mm. sounds weird, but it's just, like, I could be used for, like, whatever and, mm-hmm. like, you know, just like as I'm like, maybe I was, I don't know, I don't want to go as far to say like I was needed, but like, maybe I was quote unquote needed because I can't come up with a better word, like for those like one and a half years at that church, you know, just sure. to get some people thinking and like, hopefully mm-hmm. question mark, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, maybe for whatever reason, like God wanted me to be, you know, in restaurants for the past like four or five years. And, and then now it's just like medical field for hopefully, right, if I get into school and all that. So. I mean, just yeah. be, speaking from, like, a medical perspective, you working in those few years in the restaurant mm-hmm. business increased your empathy and awareness, like, tenfold. I was just tenfold. about to say that. Someone who doesn't – okay, so, like, a pastor who, mm-hmm. you know, is preaching and has no concept of what hard labor is or yeah. the experience <laughs> of, like, uh, the working poor. Right. Um, you know how many farmers? Are in the Bible. Have you ever tried <laughs> to farm for 20 minutes? It is very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Let me like, just say. <laughs> when you go into like a vocational ministry or, or even like if you're a person who goes straight into like med school and you know your right. life is like blueprinted out, um, mm-hmm. you lose all these experiences. I mean, okay, just tell me. So all the stuff that's been going on with like um, the racial protests, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. How has you working in like a restaurant business, working with ton of immigrants a lot of different racial backgrounds ethnic backgrounds how has that informed your uh, perception of everything that's going on oh i mean oh that's a good question (laughs) no that's a really good question though i'm just like i want to like give it the respect that it deserves um i think it like definitely informed like pretty much everything I think about, um, the entire, like everything that's going on. I, it's like, it's difficult, right? Because I am coming from like a, I'm a cis woman. I am like Korean American and my parents are first generation immigrants, but they, like, but I was offered like a, basically like a middle-class lifestyle, 
yeah. um, and all of the privilege that comes for that. And my skin is light. So I, you're in Korean a lot of, Karen. No, <laughs> Lord. I will shut this off right now. Okay. You're a, you're a Jisoo. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I just, I think that like, however, given that, um, but growing up, my parents owned a beauty supply. So like my, after school, like in the white suburbs, I would go all the way to like the city to like help my dad sell weave and like wigs. And like, it was a completely different, like, like community of people there. So like, it wasn't like abnormal to me to like see different, like, like types of people um like socioeconomically racially like whatever Mm. but i would say specifically like working in restaurants it just like it's a very because i feel like if you worked again i don't know out of experience but i feel like if you worked at like a corporation maybe it's a little more difficult to see in a lot of ways for sure but if you're in like a tiny space a kitchen where it's like high stress and like it's a lot of like yelling and like telling people what to do right like people's biases under stress come out so strongly. Mm. And so, and then just like how people run their business, like it, you can, it, like I was never uncomfortable with like talking about money, but so like I knew like kind of like what other people were getting paid and it was like, yeah, why, like, why am I like for me specifically, I can speak to my own experiences. Like, why was I paid less than my white male counterpart, even though mm. I felt like I was doing a better job. Yeah. You know, so like I had my personal experiences as a person of color working in a Italian to like Mediterranean style restaurant. And yeah, like yeah. I would tell other people, you know, some people yeah. like where I would I, I worked at a restaurant and almost like it was very strange, like 90 percent of the time people would be like, oh, so like what kind of like Asian fusion restaurant do you work at? <laughs> and I'm like, I no, no, you know, <laughs> or like people would come up to the like the window where like the kitchen is because we worked at an open kitchen, and like instantly people wouldn't think that I was the person in charge, even though I was, and they would oh. look for like the white male chef wow. or cook, mm. and like completely ignore the fact that like I'm the one like calling the tickets and doing all these things, you know, and looking that way. Um, so I have my own personal experience, but at the same time understanding that I was a person in privilege and like at a certain point I had management powers too. And like, how does that reflect on like how I treat everybody else around mm. me who don't look like me? Yeah. Um, all the way from like the white cis males all the way to like, like the Hispanic, like the, um, I want to call <laughs> the Honduran like dishwasher that we had, you know? Yeah. So, and everybody in between. So it was, just like just being around everybody like it was a lot of like I had to check myself I had to like understand what was like going around me to like the level of education that I have on all of this and I'm continuing to read and like all those things right um but yeah just like I I don't know I feel like I'm being very roundabout with this but I will say kind of going back to my initial frustration and like leaving and feeling so refreshed by being in restaurants and being around people who didn't look like me and who didn't have the, like the experience that I had. I just think that that truly does like it forces you in a lot of ways to like check yourself and to like realize what your own biases and like what you bring to the table as well. 
Um, because if you're constantly around and like, I'm sorry, I just like, I'm working through this right now. So like, don't hate me for this, but like, I have a very difficult heart right now towards the conservative Korean, uh, slash Korean American churches around like the U S because a lot of the people that I see who are there are just around people who look like them Mm -hmm. or exactly. They're like, I would say for the most part, like kind of this one type of person and very homogenous, very homogenous in a lot of ways. Um, again, not discounting like, you know, the individuality of these people. However, like where, where, where is every other like color? Where is every other creed? Where is every other, you know, yeah, like upbringing and socioeconomic status and things like that. And if mm-hmm. you are around people who do not look like you, who do not pray the same way that you do, who do not eat the same way that you do and like understand life in the way that you do, like, you're not exactly like forced to think about any of this stuff. And so mm-hmm. for some people that is comfort and I can understand that. However, for me, that was like discomfort. Mm. And I think, yeah, it just like depends on who you are. Like if you put yourself in those situations, like it really does force you to consider another person's life, like, because they're right in front of you. It's not just like, I read about it through my Instagram and like have to like put this thought experiment through my head. It's like, they're just, they show up to work like I show up to work every day. And it's just like a relationship in any other respect. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't Does know it, if that answered your question. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was very roundabout. <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, I'm sure you learned a ton from all those experiences and they kind of like guided your uh, perspective, um, your yeah. worldview. For sure. And I think like a lot of it just comes down to like, this is going to sound like so corny. I can understand, but like a lot of it just comes to like shutting up and listening like as best as you can. And just like, accepting that like you don't know everything about this person's life and like being compassionate towards that and I just felt like you know like if I if I don't approach people in this way like always trying like as angry as I can be (laughs) at certain points because you know like I just gotta get certain things done or like whatnot like at the end of the day, like somebody getting hurt or somebody feeling like a certain type of way, like in the kitchen industry, like that doesn't matter. Like the kitchen culture is just like, I don't care if you get burned, you better put that fish on the plate and get it to the customer. Like that's like, you are not important. You know, like the fish on the plate is the important thing. And like us getting the money is like important. Like, and it was a lot of like guilt and shame. It's like, oh, you don't want to make money. Like, you, you know, like you don't want the restaurant to like survive or whatever. Like what, what does it matter if you get burned? Like we all get burned and things like that. Right. But like, if you kind of combat against that and just approach people like with human decency, like I'm not asking you to go an extra mile. Right. right. Like just approaching people with human decency that they are a human being in and of itself. It was just like, you learned how to work with people better instead of just like, screaming and yelling and stuff you know yeah 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 it sounds like a very toxic culture oh it is an extreme like everything that like that you can think of under the sun in terms of like abuse has probably happened in a kitchen you know yeah yeah like, like like sexual abuse like i actually don't think i know one 
one girl that I've worked with that doesn't have like a sexual abuse story, like, like from working in like a restaurant, um, including myself. And then like, I don't know, like, yeah, just like physical abuse. Like there was a, I won't name it, but there was a kitchen that I worked in that the, if you burned somebody, they had the quote unquote right to like burn you wherever they wanted to burn you. That's psychotic. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, it was like accepted because it's like, it's just like, yeah, I mean, even if you burn me by accident, like since you burned me, I get to burn you. It's like eye for an eye. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it's very, it can be extremely toxic, like very uh, misogynistic. Sure. Um, Racial. Very, yeah. Racially, like everything under the sun that you can probably think of, like could happen in a kitchen. It yeah. probably has. Yeah. So it's like important to have people like you in those spaces. I mean, you did your time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel like you, you plateaued in wherever you're at and because of whatever happened, you know, this past few months, it kind of forces you to kind of like realign, rethink your values, rethink what you want. And yeah. I think it was probably good for you and Caleb. Yeah. I, and that's always the eternal struggle, right? It's like, I will say though, like part of it is that my internal struggle is that I feel selfish because I am a person of privilege who has like education and all of these things. And like, I have, even as like a woman of color in my industry, like I've very quickly gone up to like certain like positions of like management and Mm -hmm. like power. Right. Yeah. So there is always this piece of me that's like, I want to stay and like make things better. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I have the privilege to be able to think about my life and how I can change things around for myself and like my husband and my family. And like in certain respects, like I can understand that some people are like, oh, you know, you're just taking care of your life. But like I do feel a little like selfish, like having a lot of this like experience be opened up to me, um, like by God's grace. And then sure. me just kind of like stepping away a little bit. And like, I always hope that it, you know, will come full circle and there will be ways in the future that, like, I could help and stuff. But I will say it's not without some guilt mm-hmm. um, and some, like, kind of, like, difficulty. It's not very easy for us to just kind of step away after, especially because, like, at the end of the day, like, a lot of the people that are experiencing a lot of this, like, are friends of ours. Yeah, like, yeah, for we sure. We would see them in the street and we would say hi and, like, it's not just like it's a stranger anymore. It's like yeah. people we know and like we know their families, like their kids come around to like the restaurant and we say hi to them. And it's like, and like, especially as somebody also who like speaks Spanish, for example, like a lot of the people that I worked with were mostly Hispanic and like who were the most like not well treated. Yeah, um, for sure. And so to be able to even be like somebody who would a little bit speak the language and a little bit understand, like, you know, I feel a little bit selfish, like stepping out. But again, then I have this like other side of me that's like, oh my God, am I just like white savior? Jesus, <laughs> you know, like help. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's hard. I'm like going through a lot of like thinking and processing yeah. and packing right now. So I, I don't even know how to answer like some of that. So Wow, that's yeah. a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that your experience is only going to be of service to you um, as you pursue like a medical career. Yeah. I, I see a lot of parallels in like restaurant experience and medical. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And medical career. Cause they're both like in considered service industries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even your heart for like diversity and, um, and just being in places and around people who are not like you. I think that's also like a huge strength um, that you're going to be carrying with you too. Um, when you pursue a career, whether it's a nurse or PA, but nurse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of funny. The ER sounds just like a restaurant. There's a lot of um, toxic culture too, depending on which hospital you work at. Um, There's a lot of like grinding, suffering, you know. Yelling. um, Yelling and... Uh, the people that you'll you'll notice like the people that are um, in charge in many different hospitals actually my hospital is pretty good but um, they they look a certain way you know the CEOs and stuff like that and uh, the people that are like the lowest level of mm-hmm. um, medicine typically tend to be immigrants or black and brown and right. uh, you know they may hopefully they get health insurance at a hospital, but right. uh, even them, if they got sick and they work at the hospital, that hospital might charge them thousands of dollars and they can't pay, you know, it's kind right. of sick like that. Uh, American yeah. uh, medical system. You're, yeah, you're cha- exchanging one toxic culture and one broken system for another. Right. Uh, that might be even grander, you know? Yeah. So it's not like there's, um, uh, there's not much for you to do in this, <laughs> in this industry as well. Yeah. We do p- need people like you, you know, actually in the forefront of things. Your experience was good. Yeah. It's been interesting to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're hired. <laughs> Yay. I hope so. Please hire me. Somebody hire me. I need a job. <laughs> Do you have any recommendations of books or documentaries, anything? Podcasts. This one. (laughs) 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 Um, No, but for real, this one. Uh, I don't, I'm like really lazy. So (laughs) I don't read a lot, to be honest. Um, But one well okay i one uh podcast that i do listen to pretty frequently is uh getting curious with jvn he's like one of the queer eye uh oh um i don't know what you call him a host host yeah uh, yeah yeah uh but they are really good about bringing in just like all these different kinds of experts on like everything like from like what do you call the bug experts like egg entomologist yeah yeah uh-huh. like anywhere yeah. from like an entomologist all the way to like melinda gates to that's pretty cool yeah like kind of like a ton like like what is it called um constitutional lawyers yeah and stuff and um wow. their whole thing is that they are just like curious about like whatever and mm. then we'll find an expert on it and then we'll interview them oh yeah cool. that's so cool so, and it's really interesting. I, it's not like a Christian podcast, but sure. it's just like, it is something that is very 
informative for me to just be like oh cool that's like that's such an interesting topic I would have never heard anybody like this talk about it and Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's a very very good podcast wow that sounds so interesting yeah Mm. like I learned about like investing like as a woman and like as somebody who doesn't have any money (laughs) Mm -hmm. that podcast um so that one's a really I would say that one's like very interesting and it is like very liberal leaning if that's okay <laughs> sure yeah yeah um other than that uh you said books or whatever media documentaries. you know oh i don't know sorry <laughs> that sounds like an excellent suggestion yeah yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me check it out i love podcasts yeah I think it's like, a old, well, it's like an old person thing, millennial thing now. Oh, but I like it. Just like listening to people talk about their experiences. And mm-hmm. that's like the most interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Because yeah. not everybody is what they see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. That's our time with Aurora. Um, yeah, Joyce and I are recovering right now. Um, actually, I'm fine. Uh, Joyce is recovering from COVID. She's doing okay. She won't. She'll be all right. Uh, she's just crossing. Um, yeah. Have a good week, Joyce. You got anything? Um, see you guys next time. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Bye.